Well, um, I want to give you a shocking truth, a shocking statement, and uh, here it is. I believe in fairy tale endings. I believe in fairy tale endings. In fact, I think that fairy tales are, are an echo of a deeper, longer, forgotten truth. Think of concepts like the Ugly Sisters, or the Prince coming to save the day, or the ultimate wedding feast with all the dancing. I think all of those tales, all of those fairy tales, are from a long-lost echo. You see, deep down, we all want to be loved, and we all want to be loved by a king. Now, we show that in different ways, depending on our personalities, on our life experiences, on perhaps um, different things like that. So, for example, some of us want those fairy tales to come true in a relationship. Some of us want those fairy tales to come true in success or status or on the sports field, or maybe even in sacrificing for others. You see, deep down, I think what all of these fairy tales are looking for is significance and meaning. But there's a problem with searching for significance and meaning. There's a problem looking for the answer to our fairy tale desires in relationship status and success and work. The problem is, is that sometimes we don't achieve those things, or if we do achieve them, they're not what we thought they were going to be. So, for example, there's a vlogger I follow who's a skateboarder, and um, I love watching the way he practices skateboarding. And I often thought that the day he became a professional skateboarder must have been an amazing day for him. But in the last week, he's released a vlog and said, actually, on the day I became a professional vlogger, on the day I became a professional skateboarder, I actually became depressed. Because actually, he got what he'd always wanted, and it didn't give him what he was hoping for. And so he quotes Oscar Wilde. There are two tragedies in life, not getting what you want and getting it. So the question is, how does the fairy tale ending come true? How do we get that feeling of significance and satisfaction and content and happiness? Well, I want to say the answer is in Song of Songs. We're going through the Song of Songs as a church at the moment, and I want to show you how actually the fairy tale ending is a deeper kind of all-eternity ending that is possible and open to all. And so I want to read to you uh, Song of Songs chapter 1 and verses 5 to 17. Song of Songs chapter 1 verses 5 to 17. Dark I am, yet lovely, daughters of Jerusalem, Dark like the tents of Kedah, like the tent curtains of Solomon. Do not stare at me because I'm dark, because I'm darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me care, take care of the vineyards. My own vineyard I had to neglect. Tell me, you whom I love, where you graze your flock and, and where you rest your sheep at midday. Why should I be like a veiled woman beside the flocks of your friends? And then the friends speak. If you do not know, most beautiful of women, follow the tracks of the sheep and graze your young goats by the tents of the shepherd. He, I liken you, my darling, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariot horses. Your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with strings of jewel. We will make, your earring, make you earrings of gold studded with silver. She, 
While the king was at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance. My beloved is to me a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards of En Gedi. He, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes are doves. She, how handsome you are, my beloved. Oh, how charming. And our bed is verdant. He, the beams of our house are cedars, our rafters are firs. Now, the first thing we see in today's passage is the undeniable fear of ugliness. The undeniable fear of ugliness. We see it there in verse 5 to 7. Now, if you remember last week, verses 1 to 4 start off with a strong desire for love and longing for intimacy and invitation. There seems to be an amazing relationship in verses 1 to 4. But straight away in verse 5, we get a barrier to the relationship. And, and throughout the Song of Songs, we're going to see numerous barriers to the relationship. And the first barrier to this relationship is the barrier of self-image, the barrier of self-worth. You see, how you view yourself affects everything. I don't know if you saw how she viewed herself, verse 5. She calls on the fact that she has darker skin. Now, what this means in this context is that she has been working outside. In effect, her skin has been darkened by the sun. She has had her skin abused. She hasn't been able to look after her skin. And so when people see her in that context, they know, ah, she's always working outside. In effect, you're nothing special. You just work outside. Now, interestingly, in verse 5, I think deep down she knows she has natural beauty. Uh, she definitely does that. She has dark arm, yet lovely. She knows there's something about her, but ultimately, she knows that, that there's something about the way she looks now. And when you read on, you see it. Verse 6, she's convinced everybody is staring at her. We don't know if everybody is staring at her, but she definitely feels like everybody is staring at her. And it's not just because she's dark, it's the way she has become dark. Because she's working outside. And did you notice why she was working outside? Halfway through verse 6. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards. What is going on? Her brothers are angry with her. And so they get her, the sister, to look after the vineyards. To do all of the manual labour. This sounds, doesn't it, like the ugly sisters in Cinderella? She has a low self-perception and it comes from her experience in life. What others have put on her, she has owned. As her brothers have abused her, she now has a low sense. And so now, because she looks after their vineyards, there's a play on the poetic song imagery here. She cannot look after her own vineyard. That's not saying that she has a physical vineyard that she's not looking after. Rather, vineyard here is swapping the picture where she's talking about herself and her own beauty. Because she's outside looking after their vineyards physically, she can't look after herself. She doesn't condition her hair. She doesn't have a manicure. And so now as she reflects on her self-image, she wonders, verse 7, where has my beloved gone? Her internal monologue, her internal dialogue even, makes her feel like she has lost him. And verse 7, she talks about herself being like a veiled woman, which in those days would have meant a prostitute. 
things have gone very bad very quickly. Her upbringing experiences and hurts have become a barrier. And can I say that can happen in all of life. There are things that we have heard that have been said to us and done to us that at times can dictate the way we are now. Our self-perception is broken and that can happen not just in physical and romantic and family relationships and work um, relationships, but also in our relationship with God. Often we struggle in our relationship with God because of a low self-image that we have of ourselves. Now what I love here is that in verse 8, people have clearly heard her. She's been saying these things and in verse 8, she goes, in verse eight, I don't know where he is. And in verse 8, the friends come in and say, well, look, if you don't know most beautiful of women, it's a lovely thing to say to her when she feels so low, it says, follow the tracks to the sheep. People have been listening and when they listen, what do they realise? The answer is to point her to the beloved. The answer is to point her to God. You know, the wonderful news for us as Christians is when we are low and we think little of ourselves, there should be Christians around us who say, hey, 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 beautiful, hold on. This is where God is. And in effect, that's what I'm trying to do in this sermon series, is trying to help us point to Jesus, to find him. So on days like today, Valentine's Day, even if you didn't get a card, you know there is the ultimate groom. Even if you, you, your, your loved one isn't able to express their love to you at the moment because perhaps they've gone to glory before you or perhaps they're unwell at the moment, do, do you know what? There is still one who loves you. And even to those in a relationship at the moment, you don't have to put the pressure on your relationship for the other person to provide everything you need because God gives you everything you need. And that frees you up to love them all the more. And so she goes, she follows the advice of her friends, and then secondly, we find the unbelievable fact of undeserved love. The unbelievable fact of undeserved love, which is so beautiful in the face of that undeniable fear of ugliness. You see, verses 9 to 14, we now get this exchange and the husband comes back and listen to how he views her and what he says. He says, look, look, I liken you, verse 9, my darling, to a mare, to a horse. Now, top tip, uh, gents, if you haven't written a Valentine's card yet today, do not write a Valentine's card and say, you, my dear, remind me of a horse. And that's not the best. But actually, in this culture, what he's doing is he is looking around and he's looking at the most beautiful and strong. And that, that must be the horses of, of Pharaoh's chariots. That is the most regal, the most amazing. And he's picking up these images. And actually, for them, it's amazing. Now, this is what I want you to consider. Why is he saying this? Is it because he has heard what she has said? Is it because he knows what she feels and fears? It is. Here's the wonderful news. When we look at ourselves and look down at ourselves and fear what others think of us and think everybody is staring, the Lord is listening. And he hears what we say and he hears what we think and he hears what we feel and he comes back with the truth. And the truth is amazing. To Jesus, we are beautiful. 
he goes through and he talks about jewelry but notice even in verse 10 and 11 all of the image of beauty of of jewelry is talking about the natural beauty that is there it's adorning it's enhancing what is there she's not beautiful because she has the earrings the earrings are amazing because she is beautiful as you read through this the mood you remember last week i said don't look so much for the meaning but the mood the mood is one of just he's encapsulated he's enchanted he loves her she has such a low opinion of herself because of the way everybody else has treated her and he just comes in and says no you are beautiful it's amazing he's in love with her he sees beauty in her he wants her it's amazing and do you notice how she responds in verses 12 to 14 she gets excited she gets excited so how did this happen how how does he look at her in this way and what does this mean for us today now i think this book works on multiple levels i shared this last week i think there's lessons for love here talks about sometimes how that how you view yourself isn't how everybody else views you but as well it shows that beauty is in the eye of the beholder and actually we should tell people how beautiful they are to us that is very important and that we shouldn't just look to the cultural and societal norms for whatever anybody says is beautiful on Instagram no 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 no. we tell people how they are but there's something deeper here about God and the believer there's something about our relationship between Christ and the church now how does this work out what is it about this beauty are we really beautiful does Jesus really see us in this way we'll walk through some steps with me okay so first off why does Jesus love us it's a great question isn't it why did God the Father send his son to die for us well C.S. Lewis uh, says this who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia Dying the Witch in the Wardrobe he says this C.S. Lewis says he loved us not because we were lovable but because he is love now that's a very important first step for us God doesn't love us because we're lovable so it's not that God looked around the universe and saw you and thought wow they're a stunner they're a 10 out of 10 they are amazing they're perfect I will love them no and deep down we all know we're not perfect deep down we all know that there are things that we hide and we're ashamed of we all know that no no the wonder of the gospel is that God loves us even when in some senses we are unlovely not perfect but this passage is going further than that isn't it it's going further than that he is looking at her and she is beautiful let's go further back in time to the reformation and to Luther Luther the great reformer said this God doesn't love us because of our worth and then he goes further and says we are worth because God loves us I'll say that again God doesn't love us because of our worth we are worth because God loves us let me put it like this if you find a random old vase you might think it's worth nothing but if then you realize it's a, a Ming dynasty vase an ancient priceless vase you will love it all the more we're not just an old vessel we're not just an old pile of DNA and molecules no 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 we are created by God in the image of God each and every single human being is special created by God and for God so in each of us there is a worth but 
that worth is even more so because what makes that Ming Dynasty vase worth anything? It's not so much the vase, but what people are willing to pay for it. That's what gives it its worth, that it has been created by someone special, but now people are willing to pay for it. So what makes us special? Yes, that we are created by God, but more than that, what makes us special is that God was willing to send his son to die for us. That's what gives us worth. It is wonderful. The great news of the gospel is this is that Jesus died for me, not because I am lovely, but I am lovely because Jesus died for me. It's what Jesus has done for me that makes me worth. It's wonderful, isn't it? To have a beauty and a worth that is not based on me, but is based on how someone loves me, is absolutely amazing. It's brilliant. I love the way Jesus has done all of this. You see, we live in a world where we are love based on what we look like or what we can give someone. It's very transactional. We always wonder what happens when I lose my looks? What happens when I can't give them what they want? The wonderful news of the gospel, the love is based on God and what he has done. God doesn't love me because of what I have done or I can do. God loves me because God is love. And because he loves me, that gives me infinite worth. His love transforms me. It's wonderful. That means that when it comes to God, I don't have to put on a face. For those of you perhaps who are older, I don't need to be like Eleanor Rigby, who keeps a face in a jar by the door. For those of you perhaps who are younger, I don't need to filter every Instagram post. The wonderful news of the gospel is that God knows who we are. He sees us completely yet he loves us, and by loving us, he makes us lovely, he makes us beautiful, he makes us amazing. But most of us, you see, suffer from imposter syndrome, imposter syndrome. We always feel like we're going to be found out. Do you feel like that in society? Do you feel like that in a relationship? Do you feel like that with God, imposter syndrome? He knows, he knows deep down I shouldn't be loved. He knows deep down I'm not worth it. No imposter syndrome for the Christian. No Christian is an imposter because it's not based on you, it's based on him. It is amazing. I think many of us feel like Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady. Do you remember Eliza Doolittle? We feel as if God has just kind of grabbed us and made us look better, but deep down that Cockney accent is going to jump out. No! We are transformed and we are loved. The Bible says that we have been clothed in a righteousness, not our own. This is the idea that Jesus takes us and because he loves us and died for us and lives for us, he gives us his righteousness and his love. And so now I've been dressed up and now I am his. And here's the wonderful news. It not only covers my sin, but it transforms who I am. I am now the loved one. I'm now a son of God, a child of God, a friend of Jesus, a righteous one. And that has completely changed. And God has changed us on the outside and the inside. When the Father sees us, he sees the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And when he sees us in Christ, a righteousness not of my own, he delights in me. And it is who I am because I've been united with 
Christ. We need to see the wonder of the gospel. Do you believe that when God sees you, he delights in you? That's what the gospel does. Because I have been loved, I am lovely. Because the beautiful one has given himself for me, I am now beautiful. As Samuel Crossman wrote, love to the loveless shown that they might lovely be. Being loved changes you. There are videos on YouTube um, where people go up to strangers and say, can I film you for a school project? And they say, yeah, that's fine. And when they're in front of the camera and they're about to film them, they just turn and say, I'm filming you because you're beautiful. And what I love is when they tell these complete strangers that they're beautiful, you see their face light up. Being told you're beautiful transforms you. Jesus says to you that if you trust in him, you are beautiful. And it should transform us. It should change us. A favourite programme in our house at the moment is um, the repair shop. Old things taken in, broken things taken in, things that perhaps would be chucked away taken in, but they are loved by people and they come in, people get around it and they fix it and they do it up and they bring it back to its former glory and more. And that's the gospel. Jesus loves you and he brings you back to your former glory and more. That's the process really of growing in your faith, is being made more and more like Jesus. You see, he is euphoric. He's euphoric over her. You see it again in, in chapter four. Look forward with me to Songs, Songs chapter four. He says, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from the hills of Gilead. And he goes on and, and the imagery is crazy. Read the imagery later on of chapter four. But deep down, what is he saying? She is beautiful. If I can put it like this. We are like the moon to God's sun. So if you look at the moon without the sun, it's just a dark piece of rock. That's what the moon is. But when the sun shines on the moon, from earth we look at the moon and it is beautiful. But the beauty of the moon is the reflection of the sun on it. When the sun, S-O-N, shines on us, we reflect his beauty. The beauty that we have is a reflected beauty of Jesus. So he can truly say we are beautiful. It is wonderful that we can know we are loved because of Jesus and we are beautiful because of Jesus. And what you get thirdly, finally, and very quickly is the unbreakable flow of mutuality, the unbreakable flow of mutuality. I just wanna show you this very quickly. We'll pick this up in, 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 in weeks to come. But verses 12 to 17, do you see it here? So verse 12, she says to him, she says, look, well, I, I was at the king's table, my perfume spread this fragrance. So actually she is fragrant to him. And then in verse 13, she says, but you are fragrant to me. In verse 15, he says that she is beautiful. And in verse 16, she says that he is beautiful. What is going on here? He is delighting in her. She is delighting in him. He is beautiful to her and she is beautiful to him. The Christian life, the dance of the Christian life is enjoying the beauty of one another. Do you know what? Jesus makes you beautiful and you see his beauty and he enjoys that and you enjoy that. That's growing in your Christian faith, is realizing how beautiful Jesus is and how lovely you are in him. Look, I said each week I'm gonna give you some homework. Here's the homework this week. I want you to internalize chapter one, verse 15. 
internalize chapter 1 verse 15. This is what it says, chapter 1 verse 15, he says to us, how beautiful you are my darling, oh how beautiful. I want you to listen to that each and every day. I want you to learn that each and every day. I want you to lean on that each and every day. And I want you to learn to love it. I want you each and every day to hear the Lord Jesus say to you, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Look at how I died for you. Look at all I've given for you. Look at my beauty reflected in you. You are mine and I am yours. Let's enjoy that mutuality this week. Well, look, before we share together from Slido, we're going to sing an amazing song uh, together that picks up on lots of these themes of being clothed in righteousness, not our own. Let's sing together, King of Kings, Majesty. Louisa has messaged in to say, what a beautiful celebration of God's love. He delights in me. I wonder, do you believe that? Do you believe that he delights in you? Perhaps you're watching this morning and you're not yet a Christian. Do you know, I want to tell you there is a God who has sent his only son to die for you because he loves you and he wants you to trust in him to have new life and when you do, he will delight in you. Not on what you have done, but what on he has done. A reflected beauty that you cannot lose. And do you know this morning, if you're a Christian watching this, you may feel like you have failed. Some of you at the moment, we're struggling with homeschooling. We're struggling to balance life. Perhaps we're struggling with the fact that we're not able to go out and do things and help others and to do this and to do that. Perhaps we're growing older and what we used to be able to do, we can no longer do. And we can worry, oh, who am I? What have I got to offer? The Lord delights in you. He delights in you. He loves you and you are beautiful to him because of Jesus. We need to relax and to bask in that. We need to rejoice in that. And so we're going to close by singing a song that reflects our longing to know this beautiful Saviour more and more and that there is a day where we will sing to him without any struggling or suffering or sin but we will be able to enjoy him for who he is without any holding back. So let's sing together all my days.